Do you know someone who is brilliant at marketing, just gets humans, has great taste, and a way with words? Send them my way, pretty please, as we are hiring for a senior level position of a content marketing manager here at Dean Street Society. If you swipe up, I'm going to put the link to that job description below, but I am looking for someone whose strategic mind can go toe-to-toe with me in online marketing with aesthetic taste that I trust. So whether that sounds like you or someone you know, or you just know that person that knows all the people, please read the description below, spread the word raise your hand and just plain old get excited because thanks to this new team member we are looking to serve you more in 2020 and beyond including growing this podcast launching my style book and rising up to help more women around the world feel beautiful empowered and confident in their style business and life You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, beautiful. Fancy meeting you here. Same time, same place as last week. You have seen on my Instagram stories, if you follow me over there, which if you don't, that is the place to be where we're hanging out every day. I am writing my style book. Now, let me tell you little bit of background if you're new or you haven't uh, seen this journey. I started writing my book two or three years ago. It's been a couple of summers now with feeling like this was the moment when I was finally going to start. And then I would get derailed by some other project, some other opportunity, some growing pains in our business. And so I have begun to feel this you know, sometimes when a project just keeps dragging on, it gets a heaviness to it. It feels like, ugh, now it's associated with weight and failure. And I said I was going to do this and I haven't done it. I've told people that I've started. I'm not far enough along. So I've really been working on my mindset to just say that is not a helpful place to come from and do not let yourself get into this. Plenty of big dreams take a lot longer to get into the world than we want them to. Most of them actually. And I really have to trust that it is happening at the right time and that I'm going to look back and be like, oh, thank goodness. Just like in a dating relationship, you're like, oh, thank goodness that door closed because I was going to meet this person. Or thank goodness that job opportunity, um, you know, door closed because this dream job is right around the corner. So I'm really focusing on that mindset. And so I sat down to kind of regroup. You know, I was starting to write on March 1. It was like new season for the new year. I was really starting my 2020 in March. And then, you know, 10 days later, a global pandemic. Uh, so got a little bit derailed, just, you know, feeling anxiety, feeling all the things, the world's falling, not really in the most appropriate headspace, trying to figure out if we're going to flee the country of Mexico, where we're going to live, all the things. And then in the midst, so many people were struggling with their businesses, with their finances, that I just really felt called and compelled to pause yet again, and create Creative Business Accelerator, which I'm so grateful that I did. I don't believe that that was a distraction. I believe that that was a wise and mature swallowing of my plans, releasing to the universe and doing that. So now that we're back in New York, got that program created and launched and y'all are in there. I was like, okay, time to regroup and I w- I'm like, heaven help me. <laughs> this time it is going to happen, which I have said before, but I really do feel like this time it's going to happen. So I sat down the other day and I looked at, I did a word count of everything I've written. I've written 45,000 words. 
So we'll Google search as as one does when you're a professional. The average nonfiction book is 50 to 80,000 words. So then I pulled out some of my books that I feel like are similar to mine in terms of like the size and you know, length or whatever, when I sort of hold them, I'm like, this is what I picture for my book. So I looked at the page number, Google, how many pa- how many words are on the average page? I'm like, okay, so basically I figure that I'm about two thirds of the way done. I've got like two thirds of the book written. So my plan, I don't really mean to give you guys all of these details, but I'm just rolling with it. I think you'll find this fascinating. So I know I would if I was listening. So I am, my goal is to just, I just did a first pass where I just poured it all out all the topics that I could think of that I wanted to write on, whatever I felt inspired that day, tons of notes in no particular order, just getting it all onto the page. So that got me like two thirds of the way there. So now I am regrouping and basically gathering up all of my notes. Like what what's the 45,000 words I've written so far? And then where's all the other places that I have ideas? I've got literal post-it notes in a stack. I've got a folder of saved things on Instagram. I've got emails that I've set myself. I've got notes in my project management app. You know, when you're when you're percolating on something for years, you end up with so many things that you're like, you see this post, you see this article, you have an idea, you're listening to a sermon, you hear a quote. So I'm trying to gather all of those up to to kind of now put them in their appropriate categories. And then in the next month to six weeks here, doing my final pass on my messy first draft to have that done at the end of August to be ready to pass it along to agents and publishers. I did it backwards, by the way, for anyone who uh, doesn't know the way book publishing normally works. I am not an expert, by the way, because this is my first time. But normally, you write a book proposal, you get an agent, you sell that book, and then you go off and write. I did it backwards because I was just sucking at the book proposal part. I was like, I I am not a concise person, which is why my podcasts are not 15 minutes long um, and why my podcast captions aren't like quippy one-liners. It's just not my magical gift, guys. So to try to condense my like life's work in exploring what makes women feel beautiful. I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to have a three sentence summary, but I don't, I'll have it for you by the end of the book, but I don't have it now. Isn't that why I need to write to kind of sum it all up and get clear on what it is? And because I've been doing this work for nine years, I have so much that I don't know what all is and isn't going to make it into the book. It's not all going to fit in there. So I was just like, I feel this feels backwards to me. I feel like for me, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I'm in Enneagram 4, for those of you who know what that means. I'm, we're the individualist. We are a little bit offbeat. We're a little quirky. We do things a little differently than everyone else. So in some ways, I shouldn't be surprised that the traditional way that it works is somehow not the way that it works for my creative brain. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write the book. I'm not concerned that my book is not going to get bought, that it's not going to get out there. I don't need that money For some people, like they have to get paid to to be able to find the time to write the book. Because I run a company, I'm not looking for for that to be the the way that I can create this space. So I was just like, I'm just going to write the book. And then I will, the book proposal will come out of that. And then hopefully that means the process from here goes a lot faster. So obviously I cannot control the, the way that it unfolds once you bring other people into the timeline. But my dream is that I get a book contract this fall and then it comes out a year later for holidays 2021. But I am legit guessing here. You may hear an update in a few months where I'm like, gosh, I totally misread that situation, guys. It'll be here in 2024. No idea. But if you are a prayer or a good viber, whatever you are, you can hold that intention for me to find the editor, agent, 
publisher that are brilliant. They are giddy about this book. They see the potential of it and are thrilled to get out into the world ASAP. So I share that tangent and behind the scenes look at book writing because I had an aha as I was writing recently that I shared on Instagram and it resonated so deeply with you that I wanted to go deeper on it today. The idea that came to me that I scribbled on a post-it was write for her, not for critics or activists. Write for her, not for critics or activists. And I talked in last week's podcast about feedback that Rachel Hollis had gotten on one of her books was wasn't about her wasn't it was just an example of how oftentimes when we don't like something we just weren't the audience for it or when someone doesn't like something they just weren't the audience for it and I just happened to use her as one example that I'd seen criticism of people where I think you know I don't think you're the person she was trying to serve I just don't think it was that that wasn't the heart of this book that wasn't the audience for this it doesn't mean that it's wrong it just means it wasn't in the category that in your mind you want it to be for So I put that in that episode, but I didn't really think about it for myself. How often do we do that? How often do we give advice to a friend that really applies to us in a deeper way or in a tangential way and it just doesn't cross our mind or it applies in one area that's logical to us, but there's actually another application that just hasn't crossed my mind. And I I also at the time didn't really think about how much of the criticism I get, and I'm not saying that I get so much criticism, but when these little things come to me in the form of a comment or a DM and someone disagrees with the message that I taught or what my point is or what my perspective is, how often it just is because what I was sharing wasn't for her. She just wasn't the target demographic. Um, you know, Why did I not explicitly include transgender women when I said that my style class is for women, oh, I just meant it wasn't menswear. Like it just, I just wasn't speaking to that question. That wasn't the question. The question was, does it cover menswear? And, and you heard it as this doesn't include transgender women. And I'm like, oh, no, that just wasn't the question. It just wasn't the conversation we were having at the moment. Or why am I not talking about the environmental impact of clothes? That's just not my niche. It's not that I think it's unimportant. I just can't be the expert and focus on all the things. So it's just not the thing that I personally focus on. Uh, you know, well, you shouldn't say that anyone can find the extra money to start a business because there are people on food stamps. There absolutely are. I think that few of them are following me. One, just because of the reality of having an iPhone and you know, being able to watch my Instagram stories and having the disposable time to be on social media. There's that. And also, I read my DMs and I look at your profiles and I listen to you and I get to know you. And I just don't have a high poverty group that is paying attention. So when I say, I think most of us can find the money to start a business, what I mean is, are you paying for Netflix? Have you bought clothes in the last year? I don't mean, can you not afford to buy groceries that month, this month, but that is a tiny percentage of my audience. So either it's not my heart, it's not my expertise, just go find someone else that that is their heart and that expertise. That's great. You can follow both of us. But if that's the jam that you're looking for, Go look for that. Or it's just not 97% of my audience. That perspective is is, uh, valid and it is important, but it's such a small segment of my audience that it just doesn't make sense for me to speak to one-third, one-third, and one-third when actually 
two of those thirds are speaking to 1% over here and 1% over there. And someone replied when I shared on this and said, this was me. I wrote you as an activist and you helped me understand your perspective. And I realized, oh, I was coming at you wanting you to be an activist in this specific area. I don't know what she was even referencing. I'm not sure what she had uh, criticized me on. But she was like, I just realized you're not an activist in that way and that's okay. Which always comes back to that doesn't mean that they're a hater. They're just seeing things through your lens. We did that episode on self-love way back when, maybe as episode 17, that you love something so much, it's all you can think about. So you just see everything through that lens. And you're like, why are you not loving that as much as I do? And if we can think instead, you know, everyone just loves different things. And that is beautiful. So I'm going to see plenty of people that don't love the same things I do. And that doesn't mean that they're wrong. It doesn't mean that they need to. They Can I just see it through the lens of, you know what they do love, though, is fill in the blank. So I said on Instagram... I have thought about this this line. So again, that post-it was right for her, not for critics or activists. And uh, so, so let me break that down, by the way. What I mean is in writing this book, I should, probably should have said this at the top, what I realize comes up for me a lot because I know that I'm writing about beauty and beauty is tied into the patriarchy. It is tied into body positivity. It is tied into just a lot of hot button cultural issues where I'm aware there can be pushback of, well, women shouldn't want to feel beautiful. Uh, you know, it's just it's just men who want us to feel that way. It's just the patriarchy that's trying to hold us down. Well, what even is beautiful? We have too much emphasis on thinness and all of these things. And I try to really address all of that to be like, all of that is valid, and here is my perspective, and also here is the end of my expertise. My sort of take on all of that is just like, let's let's focus on where we're at now. Can we want to dismantle the patriarchy? Sure. But um, you have an event to go to in three hours, so let's just work on some tools right now because the patriarchy is not going to be dismantled by then. So let's just get you into that job interview or that first date feeling more confident and then let's also simultaneously continue to evolve in the patriarchy (laughs) so yes we can work on feeling more positive about our body but that doesn't mean that we have to be comfortable taking underwear selfies like a lot of body positive you know instagram folks do there's a big gap between this is this is what's right as the body positive activist and just like the mother of three on Milwaukee that's like, I don't want to take photos in my underwear. I just I'm just saying I don't feel great in this dress. I, I, I t- telling me that I should just be OK with the fact that my body's different after my baby. I mean, yes, that would be great, but I'm just not. So do you have any tools to help bridge that to help me get there? So anyways, I am just aware that that is that is the 3% of my audience that's going to say, you're not activist enough. You're not progressive enough. But but that you guys aren't who DMs me. You're not who listens to this podcast. You're the mom in Milwaukee who's like, I just don't feel great in this dress. Do you have any advice? I've got this interview. I feel self-conscious. Can you help? Like, I'm, I'm not really putting myself out and dating as much as I want to because I'm just not feeling that confident. Like, and then I took your style and styleability class and oh my gosh, everything changed. So I'm reminding myself that I am, how often I tend to try to choose my words carefully 
to appease the critic or the activist, to preemptively defend and say, I know what you're going to say, and here, here's my defense. Here's why I'm, I'm not shallow or vain or silly or any of the things you might throw at me, when really, that's not who the book is for. <laughs> the book is for you, and you're not coming with your hands on your hips. You're coming with your arms open, going, oh my gosh, everything you say, not everything you say, I don't mean to say it, but like, uh, everything you've, you've given me so far on the podcast in your classes blesses me so much, I can't wait for the blessing that's inside this book. It's not hands on hips, excuse me, who does this girl think she is, like, you know, et cetera. So with that energy, I then have been thinking about this separately when it comes to Instagram and sharing about racism over the last couple of months here. And I've had the thought for myself, am I sharing to appease or prove myself to the activist? Or is this really helping the person that I'm called to, the 97%? And I've really just challenged myself to check my heart and say, am I proving or am I serving? There is so much emphasis right now on social media, which I am not criticizing. I understand the heart of it. But this pushback of if you muted yourself, if you posted the black square, you, which I didn't do because I was on vacation, so I missed it. But um, And then you weren't supposed to do it anyways, but whatever. If you did those things and you're not still talking about it, that was performative allyship you know you if if your feed is back to normal then you're following the wrong people like and I get that I get the heart and the energy behind it but when you see that it can make you go oh okay well I should make sure that I'm doing enough that no one could make that criticism of me but then am I posting just to say I've checked enough boxes this week to avoid the person who could point out at me and say you're not doing enough or am I actually sharing because this video really moved me, this s- statistic was new to me, this was information I didn't know about before? Like, for example, I shared about Juneteenth. About 50% of you said that you knew what Juneteenth was. A lot of you specifically were like, it's it's in Texas, it's a national holiday. Like, it kind of was based on where you were from. Growing up in California... We, we never talked about this. I'd never heard anyone speak about it in New York. And so to me, I'm like, you know what? I'm sharing because I want to be honest. I didn't know all the things. And it's okay to say I didn't know that. And even if 50% of the people know it, I don't want you to feel ashamed because I'm going to be honest too. I didn't know it. So I the reason I'm sharing is one, to genuinely help educate because we don't all know. And two, to also say, if you're still learning things, that's okay because I'm still learning things. You know, that's from a place of serving. I wasn't sharing that to prove to someone that I was 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 ta- was sharing on that day. But when I see the pushback online and the kind of, you know, you better be doing this or else, I have to, I realize my instinct is to be like, oh, I don't want to get criticized. So I should lean in and do something. And then I'm like, no, I'm doing that for the activist, not actually for the audience. That is who I'm here to serve, not who I am looking for approval from. And this also came up, maybe it was last year, I was having a conversation with a colleague and she was talking about how she notices that a lot of her audience who are not content creators or businesses Um, they're just having personal accounts, that she kept noticing what they would share in their feed or their Instagram stories would be 
for example, you know, I'm an Enneagram 7, and so I'm going to post all of these memes about what it means to be an Enneagram 7. Now, am I sharing that because tons of my friends are Enneagram 7s and they don't really know about the Enneagram and I want to educate them because I think it's such a powerful tool or I really want them to better understand themselves. I think this will really bless them. Or am I sharing because I want you to understand me, which isn't bad. It's your social media and to use it to to be better understood and to connect with people in that way isn't necessarily bad. It's just worth pondering. Am I sharing this to be heard, seen, and validated? Or am I sharing it to inspire others? If my posts are all about, you know, putting up boundaries and the way you deserve to be treated, you know, and what toxic relationships are, are you sharing that because you're like, you know what? I have not always understood this and believed this. I am so much more confident in the last year now that I know this. And I, I know I know there's got to be other people in my life that need this as well. And I'm so grateful somebody else shared it, so I want to share it. Or are you really sharing it as a, as a cry for help? You know, I want people to know that if you're toxic, I'm not okay with you. And I want want you to know you are probably the friend that I'm sharing this about. You are probably, my ex is following me and he needs to know. You know, I want my mother to know that this is what, you know, I've I've learned in therapy or whatever. Are we posting from that defensive place or from that serving place? Another conversation that I've seen coming up a little bit specifically happens to be about racism, but could be about anything. But there have been a lot of energy around kind of don't be swayed by politics kind of things. It's also actually around coronavirus, this sense of, you know, you're being swayed by the liberal media, by politicians, by whatever. You know, it doesn't matter what the topic is, but this sense of I, I, I feel the need to say uh, people are being brainwashed, you know, people are being marketed to, whatever it is. And what I've noticed in some of those is just, are all your stories, because I tend to see this in Instagram stories, it may also be happening on feeds, that's just where I see it the most often, um, and it may be happening over on Facebook or your text messages with your friends or a WhatsApp group that you're a part of or your conversations in person. This can be so many places. Instagram stories just happens to be where I hang out most often and where I'm seeing it. Are all your stories about defending your position or are they showing what you're learning? Because one energy is shaming and preaching. You're wrong. People are wrong. I'm better. I know the right way. Whereas the other might be making the exact same point, but it's vulnerable. Here's what I'm learning. This moved me. You know, I hadn't heard this. I'm going to work to be better on this. Uh, you know, you, you, can, you can join me on this or you can hold me accountable to this. Or here's why this matters to me. And that is, you could be saying the same thing. You could be saying, you know, I'm really learning that a lot of this is politicized and I'm just open to exploring that more. Or you could be like, you know, a lot of this is politicized and you probably shouldn't be reading it. I mean, whatever the the, the kernel is, again, it can be on any topic. Which angle are you coming at it from? And really it comes back to, are we trying to do one of three things with what we're creating, what we're putting out into the world, the conversations that we're having. And I specifically wanted to talk about this on a podcast episode because it is 
it is in our personal lives as well as in our business. I, I, many entrepreneurs and creatives are are follow me and are in this community, and this is very powerful when it comes to having the confidence to create what you're supposed to create. But I also see that this is just about us interacting with other humans. And so when we really come back to who are you called to, this can be in a professional or in a personal capacity. So the three things that it comes back to to me are, are we trying to control others, gain approval, or actually serve? So when we're trying to control others and their response, our thoughts are things like, I don't want backlash. You know, I'm going to tiptoe perfectly to avoid the the criticism. I'm going to cover all the bases to try to control the response. Um, you know, I, I want you to like me. I want you to approve of me. That's also kind of gaining approval, but I notice this in myself a lot. The number of times that I will go to post something specifically right now around racism, and I might have said this last week, I can't recall, where I'm going to go to share something on Instagram stories, and I will spend 10 to 15 minutes writing it and trying to make it so perfect to not be able to be misunderstood, to not miss out on any angle. And then I just wanted to posting it because now I'm trying to cover so many bases that I'm like, oh, never mind. It's not even worth it. And I know that that's coming from a, a place of I'm trying to control and make sure I don't, I'm not misunderstood and I don't get any criticism in this delicate issue at this you know, highly sensitive time. Uh, control is I want you to treat me how I want you to treat me. You know, I'm going to share all about my boundaries and relationships and my Enneagram type and whatever because what I'm really saying is other people should know me. You should know that I'm this type and therefore you should treat me in the way you want me to treat me. Which again, I, I do this as well. Not that I'm sharing my things left and right on stories, but yes, I would love for everyone in my life to deeply understand what it is to be an Enneagram 4 and to therefore better know how to treat me, know how to not trigger me. That's such a, a human thing, but do we notice that that is what we're sharing? I want to control that I feel better when you do what I want you to do. If I just share my opinion enough, then more of you will agree with me and that makes me feel more comfy. It's more preferable with me for me when everyone just shares my beliefs and everyone is on my side and everyone says, oh, you know, Sasha, I totally agree. That's exactly how I feel. And you're like, oh, good. When someone disagrees with us or doesn't act the way that we want them to or in a way that's in contrast, it just doesn't feel as good. So we we try sometimes to control how, how someone you know responds. The gain approval is I want to seem cool, smart, anti-racist. You know, I'm going to do enough of this to make sure that I'm getting that approval. I want you to tell me that I'm pretty or talented or smart. And listen, affirmation is amazing. I'm not saying that that's bad, that oftentimes we put out things for someone to say, oh my gosh, your kids are so cute. Oh my gosh, you're the best mom that's so creative. I'm not saying that we never do those things, but just that when it comes comes to who are you really called to, why are you really sharing these things, are we thinking, is this serving someone and would it give us more freedom at times? If we, if we weren't so tight in, I'm trying to control everyone and I'm trying to get approval. I'm trying to be perfect in everything that I'm sharing. And therefore, I feel flipping exhausted trying to do it. And when someone misunderstands or disapproves, I am so bothered by that because I have tried so hard. 
And that is my story. When I get criticized, there's so many creators that are like, criticism is great. I want you guys to tell me. And I'm like, uh, no, criticism is not great. It's one thing if I have a program and you're like, hey, this link is broken or there was a typo in this. Like, oh, yeah, that's totally fine. Yes, please tell me those things. But if you're like, I just don't like how you do this thing and I don't like your opinion on that. Because I am trying so hard to not offend anybody and to be likable to everyone, it just makes me feel exhausted. Like, oh my gosh, I am trying so hard to appease you people and nothing I do is good enough. And when I think about going into writing a book like that, then any of the negative comments would be all the more exhausting if what I really am saying at the end of the day is I just killed myself trying to answer every objection, trying to defend myself against any criticism that I was afraid someone could level at me. Yeah. But if I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I knew that the, I knew they were, that was going to happen. Like, that's what I've been challenging myself lately. What if I'm like, yeah, I know. I know 3% of people are always going to dislike it. I know 3% of people are always going to misunderstand. How different would that feel? And the last area is serving. You know, am I sharing this? And again, whether that is a something on your social media or uh, you know, just something in conversation with your friends or actually something creative that you're putting out there for your audience, am I serving because I genuinely want others to be anti-racist with me and this information opened my eyes? I'm really grateful someone else shared this, so I want to pay it forward and pass it on. Am I serving in that this message in my book will help who it's meant to help? though not everyone, because nothing powerful can be for absolutely everyone. So I won't hold back in fear of approval or try to control that I can please all 100%. I'm going to focus on the 97 and I'm going to serve them even better, knowing that that may mean that the, the 3% don't get it because I didn't also try to pull all this energy away and go focus on them. Serving, it can be, this is beautiful, or funny, or interesting. You know, serving doesn't have to mean everything was like saving the world and so deeply powerful. It could just be, oh, I shared this because it made me laugh and I thought it'd make somebody else laugh. I thought that this was fascinating. I thought that this was so pretty. That can also include the content that you create. We create these things because they're a service. Like, here's a cool idea that we did with our with our kids that somebody else, you know, here's a recipe that I made. Here's a course that I put out into the world because I thought it was going to bless other people. So this can be really convicting to realize some of these things about ourselves. Um, It also can be, I don't mean for it to be weighty where we start to just panic about all of our things. Like, oh, are my attentions in the right place all of the time? What I've realized for myself far more so is that it's really freeing because even personally, maybe you don't need to please everyone in your life. Is it okay that not everyone in your life is going to be on board with your life choices, (laughs) with the fact that you're moving or you're dating that guy or you're dieting to lose weight or you're not dieting to lose weight, especially for my fellow creators to accept that there will be criticism that isn't just like they're in a bad mood and they're having a hard day and being rude, but really just they weren't the audience for it. And that's fine. And I don't need to be, I don't need to take it personally. I don't need to get offended. I don't even need to be like, ugh, that person is the worst. I just be like, oh, neutral thought. Oh, they just weren't the audience for this. 
this thought for me, guys, is revolutionary because I just take everything as like, oh, I'm just so wounded that that person thought that. And I'm like, what if it's just neutral? What if they just weren't the audience for it? And it's also freeing when we see someone else share and we realize we just weren't the audience for that. So we can let it go and move on. Like, I don't need to feel triggered or argue back or get offended or tell them that they're wrong. I can just be like, oh, that wasn't for me. Oh, I disagree. Move on. Oh, I see it differently. You know, say la vie. I can't say that criticism of my book or my work will not hurt and annoy me, but this has been really freeing to me over the last month to focus more on the girl who is thrilled to receive what I'm saying as opposed to trying to tiptoe around the person who won't. And she is the majority, the girl who is thrilled to receive. So what if we focus on the people who love you for you as you are today with what you have to give, the the time, the creativity, whatever it is. The real question in all of this at the, at the core is who are you called to? Whether that's in your business or in your personal life, who actually are you called to? And who can you have freedom to realize, oh, I'm just not called to them. And what a relief that is. So one gal DM'd me and said, you know, my girlfriend is stuck in grief. I was posting about grief. I have a pinned Instagram story on it. And she said, I can't remember what this woman's story is. Maybe she had lost her husband a few years ago. She said, my girlfriend is stuck in grief and she doesn't want to come out. Like it's been years. I feel like I've done everything that I can to encourage her, to hold her up. And it just seems like she does not want to come out. What do I do? And I said, well, you can't want it for her. I mean, that's the number one thing. She has to want to come out of grief. You can't want it for her enough. You can't fight for her enough. She ultimately has to want it. But also, do you feel called to her? Do you feel called to stay in this journey with her? Not out of guilt or obligation because you just feel like such a bad person if you didn't, but does your heart really believe that you being present in her life will make a difference? Because I believe that it's okay to let hard people go and to drift apart and to drift away. This is really a deeper conversation about friendship for another time, but do you have any heavy relationships that you're holding on to out of guilt or obligation? Now, I will say that the flip side of that and why it's a broader conversation about friendship is that when people leave us, we are furious and we make them horrible and the worst And I think, therefore, we're afraid to be those people. So we're like, I don't want anyone ever to be able to say that about me. But I think in our better moments, we know that humans grow and change and grow apart. And we aren't called to everyone for all time. Just because you stayed friends for 10 years instead of 30 years doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that the 20 years was going to really be a fruitful time. So that question really came back to, Who do you feel called to? Do you feel called to this girl? Because that helps inform you how to proceed. If you feel called to her, you just continue to pray for her, believe the best for her, 
lovingly and lightly insert other things and be at peace in the meantime that you've done all you can and you're not going to be frustrated when she doesn't when she doesn't grow and break through. You might be really sad, but you're not going to be frustrated and annoyed. You're like, you know what? This is where she's at and I'm just going to meet her. Or I don't feel called to her. I feel drained and exhausted. I end up snippy with my husband and frustrated with my kids and I spend all my time with her instead of my other friends and then I just feel bad and anxious and this isn't blessing my life. Okay, great. Just kindly, gently, lightly let her go. Just Start to pull back a little bit over time. You don't have to make it a big thing. Or maybe you have to make it a big thing. Maybe she calls you every day and talks your ear off for two hours. And you do need to say, like, I love you. I don't know how else to help you. This is really, you know, I, I just, I, I can't be this role anymore. I got another DM from someone who listened to last week's episode where we were saying, you know, these are your options, A and B. And she said, okay, help me figure this one out. We went home to help out with my parents during COVID. Um, they're older. My husband and I went home and uh, my dad really wants us here and so appreciates, appreciates it. And my mom is miserable that we're here and making our lives miserable. She says that we've invaded and we've taken over and et cetera, et cetera. So I said, do you feel called to be there for your dad? Would you just feel horrible guilt if you left like maybe he's incredibly ill you know there is no way your mom can physically take care of him and you feel like there is a good chance that something could earnestly happen to him his health he could get sick he could die and you would be like I was called to him and I you know I chickened out because mom was being a bully and I'm just never gonna forgive myself for that you know then you gotta accept we talked about option a and b last week that it's real uncomfortable. Now, I think there's other things she could do, like in that with trying to make that situation less uncomfortable. But at base, you're just like, yeah, I hate that this is the way mom is and I hate that this is a reality of it, but I do feel called to stay here. So now I'm going to move into what else can I do to try to make it better with mom? Or this was a great idea. We came home out of the goodness of our hearts. Lots of other people are going home to be with their parents and it's working out. But you know what? Mom is called to dad. And if she owns stepping up and she gets, I've got to go to the grocery, I've got to do the cleaning, he can't do any of these things, and I own that, and I say, yes, Sarah Beth, he is my husband, I will take care of him, I am called to him, you are not, please leave. Okay, then maybe you can step back in peace and say, maybe I took on that role of caring for my dad, but it's not what I'm called to. Mom is called to that. And even if I want to be able to be of more help, and I think that I would do it better, and I'm I'm concerned about her being able to do it, but that's what she's called to. As a creator or a creative, who can you really help the most? You'll be okay that it's not everyone. And we get this feedback as entrepreneurs and business owners and creatives to niche down. You know, it's better for marketing to, to be in a niche. If you are, if, if you're going to deliver my baby, I would like you to be a full, full-time full baby deliverer. And uh, it's called a midwife, for any of you who don't know. Um, rather than, oh, I also raise chickens and I sell my knitting. And then I have like, you know, I, I coach people on keto dieting. And like, I'm like, I'd really rather you're just like full-time on the baby thing because that would make me feel like you're 100% of an expert on that. So we know that niching is better for marketing and for confidence and all of that. But it's also just better for our peace and joy and confidence to say, oh, these are the kind of, I was going to say these are the kind of couples that I work with, but I don't really know if that's a thing in midwifery. I don't know if you're like, these are the kinds of babies I deliver. But let's just go with that for a minute. 
that you say, these are the people that I help and people, okay, here's a good example. I specifically work with people who don't want to go to the hospital. Home births is my thing. No, no problem with hospitals, but I'm just not the midwife who goes to hospitals. It's just not my thing. It's just not my jam. I just, maybe I have my own opinions about hospitals, my own opinions about insurance or something like that. So that's just not the way I work. And I'm okay with that. And you might get angry and you might be frustrated, but I'm really confident that I just, I really love home births and that's my passion. And those are the, the families that I serve. So I'm not going to be up late at night so bothered by this expectant mom who railed against me because I'm like, yeah, I'm just really confident. And I know that's going to frustrate some people. And I'm okay with that. And let me say, I've never been that calm about somebody getting frustrated at me. But this is what I'm working on. For me, it has been so freeing over the past week in writing my book since having that little idea on the post-it, right for her, not the critic or the activist. It's been freeing over the last couple of months on social media with everything that's been happening with race relations and even the coronavirus, my really being like, what do I feel compelled to share? I asked you, for example, back in April when I was in Arizona, what percentage of you were wearing masks? It was over 90%. I'm not really big on the constantly posting about the need to wear masks because we're pretty much all on the same page. And so it's just not something that I'm actively sharing. No no worries for the people that are, but I know where most of us are making the same decision. And so the, the small percentage of you that aren't, like, that's fine, but it's just not my call to, like, convert that 1% of you. It's just not my thing. Um, it's been freeing over the last year in my entrepreneurship, what my unique special sauce is. It's why creatings inside my Elegant Excellence Mastermind. I really have felt clarity. I, I don't need to know every area of business. I don't need to be an expert on all the things. Just because somebody else covers this or somebody else teaches this good, I've really anchored myself in confidence of who am I called to help. It's been really freeing over the past year in friendships. I have let some people go. I've been okay that some people have let me go, that not everyone is called to be deeply close in my life, and that is okay. Trusting that God will give me enough people who are, enough fulfillment for me, and also not too many people to be loving deeply that I'm overwhelmed. So again, I think our call is to really focus on the people who love you for you, whether these are in your friendships, your family, those people who follow you on social media, your audience, if you're an entrepreneur, the, the, the companies that you're looking to hire you, maybe, if you are an employee. Focus on the people who love you for you as you are with what you have to give, what your unique talents are, your specific personality. You will bless and serve more people. You'll connect more deeply. You will be more yourself. And sometimes also you'll flip that 1% person that you didn't think you would just because you're being peacefully and welcomingly yourself. Like maybe when you release control, your your sister-in-law will soften, soften. Soften is a weird word. There's a silent T in there. Soften, soften. Will soften. (laughs) Or the critic will realize that you know, you're clearly just not for them. I shared before that one of the themes that means the most to me in my business is when you say that I don't seem for you in some way and yet you feel welcome because I'm not shrinking or holding back. This is me. 
I'm not trying to be more palatable for more people. I do tend to be a centrist in a lot of issues and just very welcoming in what my mindset is. But that's not me trying to play small to be more palatable for more of you. I'm okay if you unfollow. I'm okay if this podcast is in your cup of tea. And I think the more confident I've become in that, the more people on the fringes relax into that confidence for themselves as well. Kind of loosen their grip on everyone to needing to speak to and for them. And so some of those people actually stick around because they're like, oh, she seems confident at peace. Maybe I could just be confident in a peace being here, even though everything doesn't speak perfectly to me. So in the meantime, I am writing for you. For each one of you that leaves a review here, thrilled with the community of this podcast, who DMs to say that you cannot wait for the book, you are where my head and heart are at, and I am creating with you, my dear, in mind. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately, I don't really know. Like, things aren't bad. They're just very simple. I mean, you know, we're quarantined. Every day, like the one before. I sang that exact same line on the podcast last week. Guys, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm recycling the same stuff. Because how much more is there that was different from last week or last month? In our case, we've only been back in New York for about five weeks. So things were different. But I can kind of see the next few months stretching out ahead. And I'm like, okay. Things are just simple and I'm good with it. I'm even leaning into wanting to make them more simple. But I shared on Instagram stories, it does mean that there's less newness. There's less novelty, right? Because I'm not traveling. I'm not going to cool new restaurants. I'm not visiting different parts in the city. I'm not, you know, there's just... Every day is like the one before. I'm just going to keep doing that. And then you're going to just realize like, oh, it was a thing. She's just going to keep singing that song. And I'm going to be like, yes, that is what quarantine is like. It's one line on repeat. So I'm pondering if, if that comes with slowness, like this, when things are slow, is there less newness? And is that kind of lower and internal craving that for those serotonin and dopamine hits of newness? I wonder for those of you that felt like your life didn't have a lot of newness and it did have a lot of slowness, if quarantine has felt kind of similar. Like it honestly hasn't been that different for my mom, I would say. Whereas because I'm so used to travel and I live in a city where there's so much possibility for newness, my my body and my brain, my head and my heart expect a lot more of that. So is this maybe a healthy resetting? I don't know. Is one better or worse? Um... Is this just a new experience to be having? Will this experience serve me down the road if we live someplace that is slower? Um, Is this just a unique experience in my life? And then I'm going to be like, yeah, that really wasn't for me, but I, I am grateful that I experienced something different. I'm not really sure. I'm just asking myself a lot of questions. And right now, things feel pretty simple. Simple. Uh, They're good. And for right now, I'm okay with it, which is good because with COVID, I don't really have a lot of choice otherwise. So I'm grateful that it's not making me want to leap out of my skin. It's making me more introspective and actually aware this might be a really unique season for me that I don't get a lot. And again, I had more newness or just 
bizarreness with being in Arizona and all those things. So is this and, and I don't we're not probably not going to be here all throughout the winter. So I think I've got a few months where I'm here. So I'm kind of leaning into it. So I guess that's what I'm loving lately. <laughs> it's sort of leaning into the slowness and trying to figure out what else it has to teach me. And what I'm also loving is we hit a thousand reviews on the podcast two weeks before my mathematical prediction for the rate that we were at. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You can swipe up. You can tap five stars. You don't have to even type anything in. But if you ever want to come back and add a typed in response to your, your five stars, you can do that at any time. It's not just a one-time shot. Someone DM'd me, I'm just trying to figure out the perfect thing to say in my review. And I just, I haven't quite nailed it yet. And I was like, okay, Jessica, you are darling, but you can just hit five stars and you can write something. And then if, if something even more brilliant strikes you a month from now, you can come back and update it, um, which is a, a magical thing. Someone else said, I don't know how to share. I, 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 she said, I finally figured out how to leave a review, uh, like Deborah. And then she was like, when I figure out how to share, I'll do that too. To share? You just share. You go on any social media. You can share it on your Instagram stories or on your Instagram feed or on your Facebook feed. You can post it in any group, a Facebook group or WhatsApp group. Or you can just do person to person. You can text three friends that you think would love it. You can share individual episodes with people. Uh, you can verbally, just word of mouth, tell someone when you're in a conversation about something that you learned or heard from this podcast and the fact that you think they would really enjoy checking it out. So thank you so much for sharing and expanding the audience of people that I feel called to in this tribe because you think I just might be called to them as well. Till next Wednesday.